Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, it's been a few days. I hope you enjoyed your weekend off. But we have to get back to the business of reviewing, unfortunately, Thursday night football from last week in Seattle at CenturyLink Field. And uh, as an in Insider Inbox reader put it to me, it felt, feels like Groundhog Day. The Packers in these road games against tough teams, tough environments, they give it everything they have. They are highly competitive for the vast majority of the game, but just for whatever reason and for a number of different reasons, I guess I should say, keep coming up short. And this was another one of the same old story type games. Yeah, and it's frustrating, Mike, because it's not like they're getting blown out of the water. Absolutely uh, during not. our pre-production meeting, I was talking to you about some of the games that I watched uh, on Sunday because we actually had a Sunday available. Finally watched yeah. Sunday Night Football for the first time, I right. think, all year. Right, And... I was watching that Eagles game against the Saints, and what crossed my mind as I'm watching that is this was New Orleans just outclassing Philadelphia in every aspect of the game, offense, defense, special teams, everything. Yep. The frustrating thing for the Green Bay Packers is they haven't walked into a place and just gotten blown out of the water. They've had five, I should say four relatively close losses on the road, and Again, they found themselves in the same situation in Seattle. These, this is a tough slate. You and I have talked about that since the day the schedule was released yep. back in the spring. Yeah, we knew this was going to be this was going to be a gauntlet, no and, doubt. But the the reality of the NFL is you have 16 chances, and you have to prove yourself every single week. And ultimately, you can take any kind of moral victories you want. You can you can take any kind of positives away from these games as you want. But the Packers have not been able to win on the road, and that's the reality they're faced with, and it's the reason they're in the position they're at right now. Yeah, I mean, the game couldn't have started any better for the Packers. You get the forced fumble on the very first play. You recover a couple plays later. You're in the end zone with a touchdown. I know Mason Crosby then missed a field goal on the Packers' next drive, but then Aaron Rodgers hits the big play on the scramble drill, fires it deep down the field, Robert Tanyan touchdown. You're up 14-3. to you know, in a place that uh, that can be awfully difficult to get off to a good start. So you're right there. Seattle surges back in the second quarter, gets a couple touchdowns. I talked about that mm -hmm. last week. You have to withstand the surge. You have to respond to it. The Packers responded to it. They fell behind 17-14. They drive down before the end of the first half and get a touchdown. Touchdown pass to Aaron Jones on a, on a wheel route there out of the backfield. So the Packers take the lead back in into halftime, 21 to 17. But then really, Wes, and I know there are a lot of things that happened in the second half of this game, but the Packers had the field position in their favor for the vast majority of the third quarter. And whether it was a block in the back on a nice run by Aaron Jones, whether it's a holding penalty on a punt that goes out of bounds and costs you 10 yards of field position, whatever the mistake was, the third quarter was the Packers' chance to add to the lead, get back to a two-score lead like you had in the first quarter, and they just never did it, and then they found themselves in a dogfight in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and the tough part for the Packers in this is that third quarter was really going to be their opportunity to try to you know, kind of put the foot on the gas pedal a little bit and, Absolutely. and put the Seahawks behind them. Uh, they have to punt, but the defense comes right back and gets them a three and out. They go three and out offensively. The defense gets them another three and out. Yeah. And unfortunately, what happened towards the end of that quarter is the Packers offense wasn't able to establish in a rhythm, and you just saw the defense, I mean, very literally and visibly start to 
wear down, yeah. attrition, injuries of that nature. I mean, I give Mike Petton a lot of credit for what they've been put, able to put out on the field the last couple of weeks. You see a guy like Kyler Fackrell having a career year, had his biggest game of his career, and had some very meaningful sacks in this. But at the end of the game, Mike, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels weren't on the field for the Packers. Right. You lost Bashad Breeland again to the groin injury. They were really worn down, and Seattle was just able to take advantage of it. And offensively, when you had the time to be able to add some cushion to that, they just weren't able to do it, and it ends up being the result that it was. Yeah, and I thought one play that really swung the balance of the game, and I talked about this in the Friday morning Insider Inbox. In, in my mind, the biggest play that was the biggest momentum shift in the game was the overturned catch, catch-non-catch down the sideline by number 83, is it David Moore? Yep. Uh, David Moore for the Seahawks. Tony Brown there on defense. Looks like he gets his arm in there and gets the ball out. The Seahawks challenge it, and they slow it down to about as frame by frame <laughs> as you can get. And somehow, in my mind, they somehow justified that he had control and called it a catch, even though I never saw the ball stop moving the whole time, so I, I don't know how they justify that. I don't know how you can say that was indisputable evidence, but it was a huge play because if it stays incomplete, the Seahawks are punting from the back of their own end zone. They were on their own right. six-yard line. It would have been fourth down. Instead, they get a 27-yard reception. They're on the move. They end up going down and kicking a field goal to get within 21-20, and as I said, then you know you're uh, you're right up against it the whole rest of the fourth quarter just uh we've we've seen we've seen so many officiating calls replay reversals whatever you want to call it that have gone against the packers and and other than the clay matthews roughing the passer in week 2 that turned a win into a tie this one in my mind, was the most significant tough break officiating-wise of the year for the Packers. Yeah, and the, and the thing that's difficult about that play is it wiped out probably the best punt of the year for J.K. Scott. Uh, J.K. Scott just absolutely just killed a, a down punt at the three-yard line, a 46-yard punt. Yeah. Uh, really nice play by him. I'm trying to remember if that was the one, too, where there was the low snap, but be that as it may, uh, a great place for the Packers to be setup-wise. They got three straight Two and, or at least two straight two and three and outs before that. Now you give Seattle the ball at their own three, and you have the defense just going back out there looking to, to do what it does. So after the game, I was standing outside the Packers locker room waiting for, the, for us to get let in, and I was basically informally surveying all the other beat reporters about what they thought of that more catch. And my issue with it is I'm not going to say, okay, it should have been a catch or it shouldn't have been a catch, but it was pretty 50-50 split, and on very – different sides of the argument I think this is a problem for the NFL it's uh, a big it's it, a big problem we still haven't figured this out in terms of you can change the language of things but but you I, just said it Wes 50 yeah. 50 split how is 50 50 indisputable it's not the rule is yeah. written the rule is written it's supposed to be indisputable evidence and this is my whole problem with replays it seems to me that the league is deciding at certain times that the call in the field matters right. and other times the call in the field doesn't matter. And if you want it to go to replay and you want to say when it goes to replay, we're going to call what we see, then fine. Yeah. But then you have to write the rule that way. That's not the way the rule is written. The rule is written with indisputable video evidence. So it has to be indisputable. And I just don't see how that rule was correctly applied to what was on the film. And that's on New York. Yeah, It really absolutely. is. Because every single crew, every single official is going to have a different perspective. The common thread through all this is now with the way they're doing this is supposed to be the New York office. 
they need to get that straightened out. There's supposed to be more consistency because it's from the right. New York office, and in my opinion, it's just as inconsistent as when you had all of the head referees at every stadium making their own right. calls without consulting yeah. New York. To me, there's there's no more consistency when they've devised a system that is supposed to smooth that out. And my biggest issue with that particular play is, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, this game's played at about 150 miles per hour. When you slow it down frame by frame, guess what happens, Mike? The ball stops moving. Right. If exactly. you press play on your record on your TV, on your DVR, the game's gonna stop. <laughs> so if that's the way you're judging it, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Um, that being said, what what bothered me about this too is that when that we we talked about that locket catch later on. I didn't know, man. I really didn't. Sitting up in the I know, press there's, box. Yeah, there's a lot of talk. Should McCarthy have challenged it? He only had one timeout. Maybe not. Based on you and I were talking about it, we're looking at the replays in the press box. I'm not convinced, even though I saw the ball move. I'm not convinced that they would have that they would have called it incomplete because they all they seemed with this new catch rule, and this was a point I made on our website, they seem with the the tweak to the catch rule this year, they're trying to find more ways to call things catches. Whereas for about five or six or seven years, they were constantly trying to find ways to call stuff not a catch. And it's like the whole mentality has shifted all of a sudden, but the the rules and the way the replay rules are written have kind of gotten thrown out the window. That's why when I saw that play and and things are moving quickly, they don't have any replays in the ball, I'm just thinking, well, which way is the wind blowing on this particular (laughs) play? Exactly. the, it's going to get officiated, but um, be that as it may, you got to take care of business. The Packers offensively just were not efficient enough. We've talked about the third downs, Mike. You have to be and execute better in that scenario. Yeah, three for three for eleven on yeah. a on a night you put up on a night you put up twenty one points in the first half. You have twenty four for the game, but you're three for eleven on third down. Yeah. You you left a lot of opportunities on the field. And it's the the really bittersweet part of this is the Packers have had some really phenomenal performances this year. I mean, Devontae Adams is having one of the best years and could very well end up being the best year in franchise history for a receiver. Aaron Jones has come on the scene now as an every-down type player. And you look at the Kyler Fackrells of the world, they're getting production from so many of those young guys that they needed it from, but it's just not a you know, mounting up to wins right now. Yeah, I want to get back to some of those performances that uh, that you're talking about here. But first, the Green Bay Packers get ready for game day with the powerful noise-canceling technology of Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. Well, where do you want to start? Devontae Adams, boy, I tell you. I mean, two deep ball catches in this game, but even... Aside from those, still very productive. Aaron Rodgers looking to him, finding him. I believe was it ten catches on twelve targets yeah. in the game. Racks up 166 yards. If he doesn't get a, a forearm to the face mask by Bobby Wagner on the one down the sideline, there he's got a 200-yard game, yeah. Wes. And and we're talking about probably a, a Packer victory in that respect as well. But um, boy, defenses continue to focus on number 17 and he keeps producing. Yeah, it's funny, too, with that Wagner play. I'm sure Raven Green would like a conversation with that sideline official. I mean, it's basically the same the exact play. The same guy, uh, yeah. With a little bit less contact. Yes, in less, terms less, of Wagner, less contact. But, but basically but, the yep. same exact scenario where yep. the ref is standing. But be that as it may, uh, Devontae Adams, the, the impressive thing about him, Mike, I went back and watched this game afterwards. In the moment, I'm sitting there going, they can't defend him. I mean, they just, whatever combination they worked with, and, and kudos to... Mike McCarthy and, and Joe Witt, or excuse me, Joe Philbin, they moved him around constantly. He's in the slot, he's in the boundary, 
And Devontae Adams kept getting open. I mean, yeah, he had 10 catches for 166 yards. I know afterwards Aaron Rodgers said he didn't have any uh, qualms this time about not feeding him enough. Right. But honestly, Mike, if you isolate on him, the guy's basically open every single play. It I mean, kinda, it's getting it kind of seem, seems that way, yeah. And, and defenses, are, defenses are paying attention personnel-wise, scheme-wise to him. Yeah. But yet uh, he's, he's, fine. He's, such, he's such a smart player. He understands defenses. He knows, he knows where to go to get open. And uh, and yeah, I mean, this ten for one sixty six was. Uh, if there's a way to have one hundred and sixty six yards kind of quietly, it's yeah. almost it's almost like he did that. A very workmanlike performance. The thing that's impressive about me, and we got this is stuff that we have to look at once the season's over, and I'll I'll step back and won't be in the moment anymore. But I've actually thought it num- a number of turns right now. The Packers have had a lot of talented receivers in the last 10, 12 years. Pound for pound, what Devontae Adams is doing might be at the top of the list because you know he has that connection with Aaron Rodgers where they don't have to talk they can just operate in the system and know what each other's thinking but you know he 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 can do the James Jones thing along the sidelines the stop routes and those type of things does him really well he can he's fast enough to get separation on go routes like Jordy Nelson did during his prime and he's also shifty enough with his footwork to be a factor in the middle of the field like Randall Cobb he is the complete package. Yeah. And, and this has been a narrative here the last two and a half weeks about him getting his proper respect. I'm trying to remember who it was, which player it was. Maybe it was Rodgers. I can't remember off the top of my head. But basically saying, if he keeps doing this, just the league's going to have to pay attention because there's enough fantasy football players out there, mm-hmm. uh, fan-wise, that are going to start to understand what this guy does. It, I think you can put it up there with anybody right now. He's He's... He's in an elite class right now, and he's only getting better at 25 years old. Yeah, I mean, the only reason right now he's not getting the national run or the national respect, as you say, as far as the media is concerned, is because the Packers are a sub-500 team right now. Yeah. That's really the only reason, because when you look at the film and you look at what defenses are doing, he is getting all the respect in the world from opposing teams. Here's the other thing, though, too, Mike. There's a second part of that. He's not. He, he, he's a very confident player, but he's not overly boisterous about his abilities. He's not an Odell Beckham Jr. or oh, you know, no. some of these guys that are all. just constantly in the public eye. Devontae Adams just goes in every day, does his job, and goes home. He said it numerous times. He said it to me during the offseason. I think he said it to you when you did a, a yearbook story on him two years ago. He's not in this to be a celebrity. He wants to be recognized as a top, as the top receiver in the game, but he's not looking for anything beyond that. Yeah. So. Um, that that's part of it that plays into that as well. Yeah. Well, uh, um, quickly here, another b- piece of sponsor business, Wes. Ad Homer here in the stands. We all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, getting back to the fourth quarter here a little bit. Packers end up uh, maybe the one time that Rodgers really lamented not being able to connect with Adams, the third down in the red zone. Packers end up having to settle for a field goal, so they only go up 24-20 instead of uh, possibly going up by eight points there. The Seahawks go the other way. They get a touchdown. They take the lead for the first time since the second quarter. And then, and then unfortunately, the Packers go three and out. Rodgers just, as he said after the game, he had the ball stick to his hand on a third and two, just a quick flip to Valdez Scantling that would have easily picked up the two yards for the first down. Right. The ball goes in the dirt, and, you know, Rodgers is really frustrated. Mike McCarthy decides to punt on fourth and two. 
tricky decision there, but punts the ball back to the Seahawks with four minutes to go. Seattle gets two first downs and runs out the clock, and unfortunately Aaron Rodgers doesn't get another shot. Um, But this Packers defense, I know they gave up the drive in the fourth quarter. They gave up the two first downs at the end when we talked about how they were so banged up, especially missing the top two run stoppers at that point when the Seahawks were going to just try to pound the ball at them. But uh, what a game by Kyler Fackrell, number 51. And I'm telling you, Wes, not just the three sacks that he had, which is impressive enough, the second three-sack game of the season for him, which is something that has happened rather rarely in Packers history. Yeah, two three-sack games in one season for a player. But I'm in the process right now, before we came in here and turned the cameras on, of going through the entire defensive film and, and watching the entire game of Fackrell and some of the stuff he did against the run and when he dropped into pass coverage. and I mean, this this it's not it's not just the eight sacks. Right. It's not just what's on the stat sheet right now with Kyler Fackrell that jumps out. You watch the film, he's really he's he's developing. I know it's taken a while. There was some impatience amongst the fans and everything from a third round draft pick. But here in year three and more than halfway now through year three, Kyler Fackrell is becoming the the all-around, every-down outside linebacker. He's he's working on all aspects aspects of his game, and they're all sort of rising up at the same time. And that's the thing that has stood out to me all year long with him, even before this game, is in terms of being able to be accountable in every phase of the defense. Clay Matthews mentioned this earlier this season. This was more towards, I want to say, training camp or the end of training camp about how, you know, the perception of Fackrell with the fan base, and everybody loves sacks, no question about it. There's a reason why Vaughn Miller and those type of players, Clay Matthews, get the name recognition they do, getting after the quarterback, doing fancy celebrations, and getting (laughs) endorsement deals. Yeah. But the thing you have to understand about Fackrell that a lot of his teammates have touched on, he's a trusted member of that defense. And he's also athletic enough that he can do the zone drop stuff. You've seen them use sort of that hybrid 4-3 at times where he lines up as a, you know, kind of a weak side 4-3 outside linebacker. Yeah, like an outside backer. There are off, different, off the ball. Off the off ball. Off the ball outside backer, yeah. There, there are those type of things that he's been doing all along. And what impressed me about this particular game is he's doing some of those things against Dwayne Brown now as a pass rusher. They're moving him over to the other side and taking advantages of mismatches over there just being very multiple with him in a game in which they didn't have a lot of depth at that position without Nick Perry available. Right. You basically have Reggie Gilbert there, and in a pinch, maybe James Crawford. Otherwise, it's a three-headed monster with that pass rush, and Fackrell got better as the game went on. And the thing I really respect about the kid is we are sitting there in the post-game locker room. This is an opportunity for Fackrell to be like, you know what, I said it all along. You guys came in here and asked me about the one-on-one record. You asked me about why I'm not making enough plays. There they are. (laughs) Fackrell said none of that. He had the same exact narrative that he's been talking about since day one. Trust the process has gotten very cliche now, but Fackrell is really a product of that. Outside linebackers, Mike, you're right. Some of them jump right into the scene, and they are phenomenal all-pro, Pro Bowl-type players. Some guys take a few years, and mm-hmm. we've seen that in Green Bay. They benefited that, with that with Eric Walden. Yeah. Miami gave up on him. He ends up in Green Bay, helps him win a Super helps Bowl. Helps him win a Super Bowl, yeah. Sometimes you just got to have patience. Yeah, absolutely. And and to your point about what Fackrell talking to reporters after the game, you know, he was – he, he wasn't all high and mighty about his own performance because he's bummed out that the team yeah, lost the right. game and that and that the defense unfortunately had a couple letdowns there in the in the fourth quarter because 
for all the all the controversy and the talk about should Mike McCarthy have gone for it on fourth and two and blah, 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 the guys on the defensive side of the ball in that locker room are saying, hey, we were on the field in the fourth quarter with the lead and with a chance later on to get the ball back for our offense, and we didn't come through right. either time. They're frustrated. They're frustrated because they played a pretty darn good game in a tough place to play for the, for the vast majority of it. But, you know, a short week and the long travel and all that, you knew at some point the tank was going to hit empty, and what was compounded by that, like we talked about, is the 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 injuries that yeah. uh, the, the Packers were, you know, shuffling guys in and out and, and – you know, some key guys that just simply weren't on the field down the stretch when they really needed them. I mean, Ibrahim Campbell ended up playing in the secondary at the end of this game. He's been there for, what, 10 days? Yeah, uh, and, and Tony Brown was ended up with a whole bunch of snaps at cornerback yeah. because of the injury to Breland. The defensive line ended that game with basically Land Tyler Lancaster, Montrevious Adams, and Dean Lowry. That was it. Like, yeah. if they wanted to go base, that's all they had left. So we got to see where things are at this week with it, but uh, a tough situation to be in. I really would be interested to see how that game plays out if you do have Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels there late. Unfortunately, the Packers didn't have that. Yeah, didn't have that. But, uh, well, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Get on to some more topics as the week continues. But be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. 